do 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 Here we go. My name's Todd. This is Kathy. Welcome back to another episode of Zen Parenting Radio. This is episode number 321. Why listen to Zen Parenting Radio? Because you'll feel outstanding. And who doesn't want to feel outstanding? I do. Um, always remember our motto, which is that the best predictor of a child's well-being is a parent's self-understanding. On today's show, we're going to talk about terms that I've never heard of before called complementary behavior and non-complementary behavior. Have you ever heard of these terms before, sweetie? Well, I have now because I listened to the Invisibilia podcast about these two things. That's right. And um, we thought about maybe talking about Pokemon. Do we want to talk about Pokemon or no? No. No. I don't. There's enough people talking about it. <laughs> well, and it's actually, I was, I was recognizing that I know people are challenged by it and I know we get freaked out by technology, but my sister posted a picture today of this spot in Batavia where she lives where all these people were down there together looking, trying to capture somebody or whatever, get whatever they're getting. Right. I'm still not quite aware of what's happening. I've done a little bit with the girls, but I don't have the language. But anyway, she's like, this is so cool. Like everybody's gathering outside together and then conversing. And yeah, see the good. So there, let's there, take there, some good out of there's it. There's some good things that have to do with Pokemon. I don't know exactly what, there's a term in the financial world called market cap. Uh-huh. When Nintendo came out with this game, their market cap increased by like tens of millions of dollars, wow. even though like nothing changed like there's no advertising on it just the fact that nintendo has this game increased the value of the stockholder i mean anyways it's just kind of crazy Uh, but first i i'm in the mood to be open and honest and share a story that i've shared with you and one other person yikes and it is in regard to my operation I had. Oh, you're going to tell everybody, huh? I'm going to, because I think it's interesting. It's an interesting story. All and right. I, I hopefully maybe it'll create some laughs. So my, um, I got a vasectomy. Yes. Right? Yes. So I, it happened a few months ago. And, uh, and when you get a vasectomy, you have to uh, go in and make sure that everything worked out so you don't have babies. You have a follow-up appointment. I have a follow-up appointment. So I, I'm i supposed to do it after, I think, six weeks, and I ended up waiting until like eight weeks or whatever. So before you go to the hospital, you have to get a sample. Correct. So I did that. I went I went to <laughs> the hospital. Do you not want to tell us about getting the sample? No, they, I think they know it. <laughs> so, um, so I went to the hospital, and it was a morning where I was going to Wisconsin. So I was really under the gun mm-hmm. for that day. I had like five things to do and I had to leave at like 10 o'clock. So I went in and I got my little Ziploc bag with a little jar in the bag. Mm-hmm. That's my sample. And um, I went in and like, they're like, oh, it's easy. You just do the touch screen and all you have to do is turn it in. Turn it in. So I'm, I do the touch screen and I'm hoping that, that it just says, you know, this is the button you press for your sample. There's no button there. So I got to ask a question. I got to ask a lady at the desk. I'm like, and I don't know whether or not I should call it a specimen or a sample. I still don't know what word I'm supposed to use. A piece of me? Uh, Some of me. (laughs) That's no longer, that's now in this jar. So she's like, I said, you know, like I I totally have that Kevin Bacon moment from Uh she's having a baby where he's like, I got my sample. And then the lady, like, it's a joke in the movie, but she's like, I don't think there's anything in here. Like, they're, like, looking at it and laughing at it. So, like, that's what I'm afraid of happening. Right. So she's like, oh, um, you just need to uh, go around the corner and you go to this office. Didn't she start by saying, don't give it to me? No, no, that's the next lady. I was getting to that. (laughs) So I go around the corner and I go to this lady. All ladies, obviously. Uh-huh. And I said, I have my, and I'm kind of like going the other direction. Like instead of being like the Kevin Timid. Bacon, I'm like, here's my sample. And she go, she puts her hands up, like I'm shooting a gun at her saying, I don't want it. Uh-huh. So I'm like, oh boy. She's like, what you need to do is I need to call the lab and the lab technician will come and get it. I said, okay. So I'm waiting there and I figure the ladies are on the corner and I'm waiting there for like 20 or like literally 20 minutes. Like I've, and I'm thinking of all these things I'm going to have to do. And uh, I'm waiting. So this lady who was helping me like had mercy on me and she called the lab technician again. And, and then all of a sudden she's like, you know what? I'm going to take you back there myself. So oh, I'm nice. like, I'm like, it's nice. But at the same time, I just want to be incognito. And now I have a woman escorting me around the hospital with my Ziploc bag. Mm-hmm. 
So I get in back there and the lab technician is there and she's drawing blood of another woman. So it's me, the office lady who's helping me, <laughs> the lab technician, and the lady who's getting blood drawn. Mm-hmm. And then one, the office lady's like, um, this man has a sample. <laughs> and I'm like totally embarrassed. And she's like, oh, I, I thought you were going to do your sample here. So I'm like, no. I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> so this is already going really badly. So then she said, well, how old is it? So now I'm having a conversation with these three women about how old my sample is. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't know, a half hour ago? She's like, no, what time? I'm like, I, I, I don't know. What Weren't time, you watching the clock? What time is it? Uh-huh. No. So then the <laughs> office lady points at the door when above the door, there's a clock there. And she says, there's a clock. So I'm like, well, it's 8.15, 7.45? I don't know. I really don't know. So then... I don't know. I just felt really weird and a little embarrassed. And this is the opposite experience that I wanted. And she's like, oh, just put it on the counter and go and you can go. It was almost like you were getting punked. I was getting punked. And there's like no privacy. Like the the lady who's getting her blood drawn knows about what time I had to deposit my sample at my house. <laughs> you know what I think is, um, and I know this for fact because I worked in a hospital for many years, is when you work in a medical setting and when you take care of things like that all day long. It's not that you don't care about people, it's that it becomes second nature. And so you talk about things very openly. And um, and they, they may have had their own laughs about it, but it's normal to them to have people bring samples. But what, couldn't I just put it on the counter to begin with? Did I really have to waste the 25 minutes to do that? Well, like, I, and I, I think that they were confused. I think that they thought you needed to Deposit, deposit my sample. Deposit your sample. I think they didn't know you were finished. Yeah, I was done. You were complete. <laughs> I was complete. And sadly, there was two others run- swimming around there. So basically your sample... I got to come back in another month. Sorry about that. And I don't understand. Like there's two, like two out of 10, two out of a million. Like I don't understand it. But they called me back later that day. Like, sorry, there's two. So you need to keep having protected sex. <laughs> <laughs> there's two. I don't know what I do with that. Let's name them. Yeah, uh, Bert and Ernie. That's right, man. And and I'm stunned that Bert and Ernie stayed alive this long. I know they're it's they're crazy fighters. Is they're they fighters. Are. They're like I'm not going down with the ship. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sticking this out. Oh boy. Anyways, that's my personal embarrassing story of the week. Okay. Now nobody knows. Now nobody now that knows. Well, and that's the other thing. It's kind of like you know, and this is kind of heavy, but women never talk about miscarriages. Right. And that's a completely different thing. Yeah, but very different. But there's this this hiding thing. Like even when I. I didn't even put it on my private tribe Facebook page that I wanted, that I needed to find a doctor. I just texted two of my really good friends. Like, why is it embarrassing? Right. It's a very normal thing. Well, and miscarriage is a very different thing. It's not that we're, well, actually there is. It's like, it's a private private. thing. And it's also, embarrassment may not be the right word, but there's uh, some guilt with it. It's a very strange thing. Mm -hmm. And I'm saying this as someone who's had two miscarriages. It's not, when I say, it's not justified guilt. It's a weird, like, how did I play a role in this? And even though you don't, it's it's very hard to explain. I just think anytime something's going on in your body, you there's just that feeling of I could have done it better, and yeah. it really had nothing to do. Well, with I figured that. if you share something as personal as our two miscarriages, and we've done two different podcasts on it, so mm-hmm. you could just Google "send parenting radio miscarriage" if you want to hear those two podcasts. I might as well share my vasectomy story. That's right, because I went with him, and the nurse was really funny, and she, you know, he obviously was pretty uncomfortable. And um, there's like a t- you mean uncomfortable? Well, after it was after. over. And she said something like, he's going to be pretty uncomfortable. And you said, well, she's had, you know, been pregnant five times and has had three babies. So I think I can do this. And the receptionist gave me a high five. Yes. Kind of like, that's right. Well, and I've heard stories where guys like totally milk it. Uh Like I went to the White Sox game the next day with my three daughters. Yeah. And I don't know if I just had a good doctor or, but. High tolerance for pain. Or maybe I have a high tolerance for pain, but it. It, it hurt for literally like two seconds mm-hmm. during the operation. Mm-hmm. And and then 
It was just sore a little. You bit. were just uncomfortable. You would come to bed at night and say, "I'm that very That first night, I was shot. I mean, yeah. I I went to sleep like at seven o'clock. Right. But other than that, it's all good. You so, just ruined a bunch of guys' ability to milk it for two weeks. Well, and maybe they weren't milking. Maybe I'm just that much tougher. Maybe than you're they just are. you and Bert and Ernie. Me, Bert and Ernie. We're hanging tight. <laughs> we hang tight. All right. So. Um, our first partner is Dr. Kelly from the Tree of Life Chiropractic Care. Um, we just took our daughter in there this morning yeah. because she had icky mouth. Well, I did it more for her toe. So she was in uh, gymnastics yesterday and she sprained her toe, possibly broke her toe. It looks ugly. It's bruised and it's swollen. Um, it just kind of bent back the wrong way and she's super uncomfortable. Um, but uh, But anyway... She woke up not feeling good, but I really think that's connection, connected to her nervous system, Yeah, as Dr. Kelly would say, is that when you are in a lot of pain or when you hurt yourself, everything gets a little out of whack. Yeah. And I feel like I'm doing an advertisement for her. That's another reason for chiropractic. Chirotree.com. Yeah. Um, I'm going to play a quick song regarding this daughter. Let's do it. Hopefully it works. Do you have any idea why I'm playing this song? Moni, Moni. Oh, yeah. Why am I playing Moni, Moni? Well, one thing that we tell the girls is if, and Todd does it more than I do, but if they don't feel good, it's really healthy to just have a, just moan, just be like, oh. Release. It, which is really true. I mean, it's, it, we learn this in yoga. And I also read a Deepak Chopra book where he talked about, there's another word for it. Shoot, I don't remember. But anyway, she really is the one who has taken the whole moan idea and put it to use. Did she do some moaning yesterday? Oh, my gosh. And when I say this, I don't even want to roll my eyes at her too much because we gave her this as a tool. So it's not like we can be, why are you moaning? Yeah, I said I used to moan all the time when I was a little kid. It felt better. But she definitely likes to moan. So... So what are they say in the background there that we all used to swear when we were little kids? So good, so fine. No, uh, but the ba 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 ba. Ride your pony. Is that what it is? I think you're um, good at words. How can you not know? Well, that? I, that's what I used to say. But I, the reason I'm saying I think is because when I was in elementary school and middle school. I would make up whatever words seem to fit with my limited amount of life experience. Right. Now when I sing a song from the 80s, I laugh at what the real words were right. versus what I was singing. But don't you remember the curse words we used to say in the background? Yeah, but that that was a chant yeah. that went with the song, but it's not in the song. Right. We'd say, hey, hey, what? No, not that oh. one. Hold on, let me get it back going. They're saying money, money, money. I know, I know, but we used to not say Moni Moni. Really? You didn't? We'd say Moni Moni. Oh, well, you were in a, you're, you're a lot better than I am. Don't you love it when we're like, we said, like, who's the yeah. we? Um, all right, so let's get into the gist of today. Oh, by okay. the way, uh, Dr. Kelly is chirotree.com. Here we go. So I listen to a podcast called Invisibilia. Mm-hmm. Really awesome it's podcast. Good, I love yes. it. And they talked about a concept that I never heard of before called non-complementary behavior. Would you like me to try to tackle what this means, sweetie? If you would like, go ahead. So complimentary behavior is when when somebody's nice to you, you're nice back. When somebody's mean to you, you're mean back. And this podcast gave three different examples of how non-complimentary behavior is useful and helpful. So that's complimentary behavior. Right. Now you have to explain what non-complimentary behavior is. So non-complimentary behavior is when somebody's mean to you, you respond with love Mm -hmm. or kindness. So... So just breaking down those words, because we're talking about this is a brain thing. Think about a baby who's like mimicking back. You know, when you like look at your baby and then they do back to you what you do, you, yeah. know, you stick out your tongue and they do it. We're, we're hardwired we're for that kind of We're programmed to do complimentary feedback or behavior. And then you you put your amygdala in there mm-hmm. where that's like What's your the fear. That's the, the place in your brain that like triggers fear. Okay. And, you know, kind of a reptilian place where you're like, okay, something we need to like, if not attack, we need to put our guard up. Yeah. And if someone is not kind to you and they say something mean, right. not only 
do you end up mimicking mm. what they're doing to you, but your your walls go up yeah. and you say, I'm in danger. Even if there's absolutely zero danger, you feel like there's danger and all of a sudden you are going back and forth with negativity. Yeah. So that is complementary, which – and this is why I'm, I'm breaking this down because it can sound confusing. Yes. Because non-complementary is actually the better way. That's what we're trying to, to educate, to. teach. Yeah. So in this podcast, they gave two or three examples, and I'll, I'm sorry if I'm going to kind of ruin some of it, but first of all, this podcast is awesome, so subscribe to it. I love it when we tell people to subscribe to different podcasts because it reduces the possibility that they'll listen to us, but we're all about... <laughs> oh, we got, you've got to, man. There's yeah. so many good ones out there. So there was an example where these people were at this dinner party and having a good time. It was just a special night, and they're drinking wine and eating cheese. And all of a sudden this guy shows up from behind the bushes with a gun mm-hmm. and they, he's threatening them and they don't know. And they're all like freaked out and they start doing like, you know, they're having a conversation with this man. And they start guilting him by saying, what would your mom think? And he responds with, he's like, my mom doesn't really care about me. This or is, my mom's not around or yeah. whatever. So the, there's a woman in this dinner group who comes up with a different idea and she said, you know what we're celebrating tonight? Would you like a glass of wine? Join us. Join us. And guess what happens? He joined them. He joined them. And they had a conversation. And they he, they even offered him a second glass of wine. And, and cheese. And cheese. And he drank it. Mm-hmm. And then he was... And then he said something like... I've come to the wrong house. Come to the wrong house. And he he put his glass of his empty glass of wine on the sidewalk in front of the house and walked away before he did that he said can i have a hug oh that's right he said can i have a hug and then he said can we now do a group hug can we now do a group hug and they all hugged him so then he walked away yeah that's like a miracle we watched a movie called miracle last night which we may talk about miracles from heaven maybe we'll talk about that but let's stay on track so that's one so it's just amazing so the second story, which I will real briefly summarize, is that there was a community in Denmark where these kids went missing, Mm -hmm. teenage boys. Mm -hmm. And they found out very quickly that they didn't get taken. They left Mm -hmm. and they became radicalized and they left. Or the assumption was that they were radicalized. Right. Well, they they departed. They did go to Syria. They went to Syria Mm -hmm. because they wanted to go join that side. Mm And what there's a part, let me see if I can play it real quick. Oh, this is it. This is about 30 seconds. Thousands of young people were sneaking off to Syria from Belgium and the UK and France and Sweden and the United States. There were Allens and Torlifes all over Europe fielding calls from hysterical parents whose kids had left in the night. Within 18,000 foreign fighters. Fighters per month. How did they deal with this new threat? Most of the countries had one solution. Get hostile. Meet force with force. Taking away your passport, prosecuting, convicting. For instance, France would shut down dozens of mosques. And in the UK, British Prime Minister David Cameron pulled out all the weapons. You are an enemy of the UK and you should expect to be treated as such. And partly because of Aarhus, Denmark, happy tidy Denmark, was second on the list of European countries with a homegrown terrorist problem. So what happens is, as that clip uh, showed you, is that most um, countries dealt with this with force. Mm -hmm. And these two officers or something in Mm -hmm. Denmark decided to do something different. Mm -hmm. And they decided to welcome these young men home Mm -hmm. and have conversations with them Mm -hmm. and ask them how they got to want to go. And had coffee with them. And offered them services. Mm-hmm. When So basically, I, I was looking at Todd while that was playing because I can't handle any more of those clips, honey. Right. I'm like, I'm so full. I can't, I, I really, I don't mind talking about these things, but I can't hear this anymore. Okay. Like I just need some days off from heaviness. Um, but I, but the good news, you know, after hearing that, the good news is that um, basically these kids, you know, and remember they're kids. Yeah. So they're feeling left out in Denmark because they look different and they're treated different. I mean, these kind of things are everywhere. Mm-hmm. And they find some kind of connection. Mm-hmm. And they say, okay, we're going to go over there and find this kind of connection. Well, when they get there, 
it's not quite what they think it's going to be. Right. So one or two, one of two things is going to happen. Either they're going to be welcomed home and they're going to say, wow, we, you know, this was crazy. Or they are going to become um, the enemy. Yes. And, and in most cases, that's exactly what happens. And they then don't have any choices yeah. but to be the enemy. You treat someone like the enemy, they will be the enemy. Right. So these, like Todd said, these officers um, decided to do it differently, and they started with one boy who I think they got a call from the father. Yeah. And they said, yeah, we'll talk with them. And not only did they talk with them, but they said, we will set you up with a mentor. Mm -hmm. We will help you get housing. And we will um, not just hand it over, but assist you, support you. This is what social services is. This is what I used to do for a living. Right. And people, you know, there was a time period where things were going pretty well. And then all of a sudden, all this money was taken out of these kind of social services because people are like, people need to pull themselves up by their bootstraps. And I'm getting on a soapbox here. But there are some people who simply cannot. Right. And that we need to help them so then they can again. So that's my uh, social worker um, commentary. But anyway, what they found is once this one boy uh, felt connected and trusted, all these boys started coming home. Yeah. And I think they said a few of the boys who left ended up dying mm -hmm. uh, over there in Syria. Eleven of them came home, and there's a few of them who are still uh, Yeah, and, and I think out of the 11 that came home, 10 of them uh, went back into society as a good person and one actually went back to Syria. So it's not... Oh, yeah, they did lose one guy. They lost mm -hmm. one I kid. I remember that. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing. People are like, see, it doesn't work. No, it did work ten for people. 10 out of 11 people. Yeah. Non-complimentary behavior does not mean it's going to work in every single time. Well, and that's the thing, again, about social services. Yeah. You know, I'm, I, you know, I don't know how we got... I don't know how I'm here because this wasn't the intention of the show, but, you know, every time there are people who work in social services know that they can be so helpful mm -hmm. um, to people who are going through a rough time, who absolutely just need that sense of grounding and support and mentorship. And then there'll be a few people who take advantage of it. Yeah. And obviously when we're talking about huge groups of people, it's not just a few. There's a percentage that take advantage of it. But to eliminate things because of the small percentage versus the greater good, right. that's where we get lost. That's where we say, okay, forget it. It didn't work for these few people, so we're just going to throw it away. Right. And there's always reworking that we can do. It's never perfect. I'm just trying to broaden our perspective on how are we helping and how are we hurting. Um, and, you know, take this back to parenting for a second. You know, sometimes when your kid is hostile towards you, you, you know, I would love to say that we're always kind and gentle and loving back towards them, but most quite often we are not. Mm -hmm. And it's one of the, those ideas. Like you can talk about like world events, about trying to reduce terrorism, or you can talk about your own household. Like, are you meeting hostility, which every person has in them, including our children or anger or, or meanness or whatever word you want to use? How are you meeting that? Mm -hmm. Are you meeting that with hostility back? Because you think you deserve more respect than that because you do all these things with your kids? Or are you going to meet that hostility with kindness and gentleness and empathy? And, you know, we say the same thing over and over on all these podcasts. We just kind of use a different vehicle to say the same well, thing. Well, because then you set them up to actually return com complimentary yeah. behavior. You know, we're talking about non-complimentary is when someone's mean to you and you're kind back. If you are kind back, mm. then that person has the opportunity, the natural ability to do complimentary behavior. Yeah. If you go, if they're hostile and you're hostile and they're hostile and they're you're hostile, it's just like this this machine. One thing I want to say, though, Todd, because you said, you know, we can do this with terrorism or we could do this in our own home. For most of you listening, major, vast majority of you are not in government, which means you really can't do anything on the global scale. Mm. And the reason why I'm bringing this up is a lot of us think that tweeting something or saying something negative or, you know, posting something is going to somehow, um, and I'm talking about negative posts, is going to somehow help the world or, or heal the government or change the world. And I, what I've been posting for the last couple of days on social networking for myself, I do it for me. I mean, if you get something out of it, great, but I'm, I'm trying to heal myself as well, is all we can do is our own home. So let's keep quit thinking that 
that posting the negative thing about this person or that person is changing the world in some way. Really, you're just bringing more negativity to the world. And you may say, well, freedom of speech and this and that. You got to be more thoughtful. Yeah, than you that. have the right to do that. We're not, right. we're not saying you don't have the right, right, but we're saying, and I just had a long conversation with my friend Brian, and we were talking about privilege and racism just because that was our. Um, uh, what we talked about in our men's group. So I was kind of talking to him a little bit about that. And he's he was saying about how, you know, the world is so screwed up and these problems are so big and he's talking about welfare and all these, you know, it's the system is broken. Mm-hmm. And while I do agree that there are certain syst- parts of our system that are broken, if if all you do is think about the macro, the big stuff, it Correct. can be overwhelming, it can deplete you, and you're not going to bring your best self to whatever you it is you're doing. You can't do anything about the macro. You can't do anything about it. So mm-hmm. what I said to him is, this is what I'm doing, Brian. I am trying to teach my daughters about uh, privilege and things like that and, and help them understand empathy. Like that is something I have influence over. This is Stephen Covey, the, st- the circle of influence. What do you have? What What is in your influence? Mm-hmm. My ability what is out of your circle of influence. And, that if you worry about that, you're expending your energy in the wrong way. And I think that's what most of us do because we turn on the news and we see something that is so large and so vast, we don't feel like we can do anything. So what is it that I do? I try to teach my daughters a certain thing. I try I try to vote for the politicians that I think serve those things best. Mm-hmm. Um, I do my men's group. So the thing is, I do certain things and what I need, what I'm hoping Brian and everybody listening does is do your thing, Mm -hmm. whatever your thing is. It could look some completely different than what my thing is. And when people say the system is flawed, the system is people. When people say the economy is crazy and wrong, the economy is created by people. So it's it it's always a micro issue and we seem to lose sight of that and we'll say oh blah, blah, and we throw up our hands and guess what happens when we throw up our hands we become hopeless yeah now for those of you who listened to our show last week we paid it we played a clip from Martha Beck and she's a life coach and author and she talked about how people who do violent things are hopeless people yeah and so if you become hopeless in the face of their hopelessness then we're just creating a negative spiral. Mm-hmm. And you may say, well, who am I? What can I do? Oh my gosh, are you kidding me? Well, what we have to do is we have to believe in the ripple effect. Exactly. And I, not even believe in it, it just is. Yeah. You know when people say like, well, you know, there's a piece of faith mm-hmm. to it because we don't always see the ripple effect. Yeah. But don't we, haven't we lived that enough in our lives to know? Mm-hmm. And maybe I'm, I just jumped all over you. Like maybe believe is not such a bad word but sometimes i feel like people are like i believe or i don't believe and this is of course there's a ripple effect yeah you know this is this is science yeah this is you know what did einstein what is it called when one thing spins here something spins way across the world in another direction it's it's more uh it's more scientific than the butterfly effect what right is that? well i i don't know if we're talking about two different scientific experience but there's one is uh, certain particles will act differently just by the set, the fact that the fact that something is observing that particle. That's it. That's you know it. What That's I mean? it. What I, is that called? There's I, a name for that. I don't remember. I could try to look it up, but just the mere observation will change the behavior of something that you're completely detached to. And we know that because that's the observing of the news. Yeah. Now, here's the crazy thing where I feel like people are going to like throw tomatoes at their their radio when they hear this. The, the world radio, is actually sweetie, safer. Is, is anybody listening on the radio right now? I don't now? know. Whatever. The, statistically speaking, people are actually safer. And I know you're like, we're not. We're not because of this. I feel the same way you do. But we have to take a wider view. We have to understand that there are some things that feel chaotic and are chaotic because we're seeing it 24-7. Mm-hmm. So us seeing it spins everything in different directions. And you'll say, well, I want to stay informed. I need to know. You can. And there are many ways to stay informed. And there are many ways to be a part of the solution by being compassionate and being empathetic and supporting people and speaking up and being honest and having self-awareness and giving to the world what you expect the world to give back to you. You can always be proactive. Nobody is saying don't be involved. But the involvement of constant worry or negativity or hate or fear spewed at other people does not create positive change. There's I, I've been writing things down lately about how there's a big difference in hearing something and believing it. 
if any of you guys listened to any of the speeches from the um, Republican convention last week, I would say I did not watch the whole thing because I struggled. I didn't want the girls to see it because it was so negative. I actually tried to turn it on on Tuesday night in the middle of Chris Christie's speech, and I couldn't because it was so heavy and negative and scary. Fear-based. And majority of speeches were like that. And this is, and when I say this, I'm not trying to throw the whole Republican Party under the bus. I'm trying to be very honest about what I observed. I heard um, Christine, Christiane Amanapour, Amanpour, how do you say her name? Anamanapaya? No, oh. Amanpour. Um, she is an international um, broadcast journalist. Do you know who that is? No, never heard of her. I heard her say something recently um, that I thought was very helpful. And she was talking about journalism and how people get on journalists for being biased. And she's really arguing that and saying there's a difference between bias and truth. And a lot of times journalists get – people get angry at journalists and they say that they're unfair because they're telling the truth. Mm-hmm. And if you just go into journalism and you're just not – and you're saying, well, I can't report that because people may be upset. Yeah then you're missing the whole point of journalism. And that when something is fear-based, it has to be called that, and you can't just say, well, we don't want to upset this party, or we don't want to upset this person, or we don't... If it's that way, we have to say it. And so maybe there are some people who will say, but I agree with that person. Well, you can, but can you agree that it is fear-based thinking? Can I play a few clips from our uh, Australian journalist that sure, we go just ahead. played? So is it super heavy? Well, you already heard it. Okay. So I don't know. Okay, go ahead. Okay. My, so my nervous system. A, a few different spun. clips, and this is a, a guy named Walid Ali, and he's an Australian news anchor. Okay. And it's like we're gonna play a few clips of his take on fear-based thinking. Thinking. Okay. So here we go. 2016 has been a nightmare. Terror attacks, murders, riots, sexual assaults, corruption, famine, natural disasters. We're all reacting the same way, with fear. Because there's no more natural response when you sit down and watch the news and you're hit with these images over and over and over. We're told the world is scary, and it is. And I've been thinking about it, though, and, and I can't escape the thought that how we deal with our fear is becoming the defining measure that determines us as a people. Awful news leads to fear, which leads to an outrageous statement, which leads to a pylon, which leads to a hardening of positions. I kind of feel like we're on a gravitron. We're spinning round and round and no one's interested in getting off. We're all in this cycle and as the year wears on, it's just spinning faster and faster and we're all pushed to the edges and it becomes harder and harder, like it takes superhuman strength for us to meet in the middle. And eventually, someone's sick Okay, so yeah. that's the first clip. So that's just the kind of the base of, you know, how we're all – fear kind of creates more fear. Of course. Right? Um, do you want to say anything else before I hear uh, play, find the second clip? Well, I just want to say that the, you know, the hearing versus believing – and I'm not saying we hear something and we say, no, that's a lie, but we can hear it and, dis- and not make it a part of our belief system – Meaning we can have people say, this is bad, you should think this way, you should be afraid. And we can say, I hear that, mm-hmm. but I don't choose it. I think sometimes we become so, again, it's complimentary. Yeah. Um, Non-complimentary you know, or no, complimentary? No, it's complimentary. Yeah. When someone's throwing fear at you, so basically you when throw so, fear back. So non-complimentary, it's funny, now I'm trying to put this all together. We're asking ourselves and our listeners to practice non-complimentary behavior in the face of anger in the face of anger fear low frequency energies correct in the face of kindness compliment all you want that's right so i i'm just putting this together now right it's why it can be confusing yes um so here's a second clip it's about a minute half a million australians voting for pauline hansen two weeks ago these people are seeing the same images that you are and this is their way of finding safety and when we attack them we spin the gravitron and everyone's pushed further to the edge My point is that we're all now responsible for how this story is going to play out. And so I just want you to consider this. When we're presented with an outrageous opinion, we're actually presented with two options. Destruction or construction. We can react emotionally and carelessly and with little genuine critical thought. And we can destroy a perceived enemy in the hope that we'll neutralise the threat that's making us feel unsafe. That's the destructive option. Or we can do something that's much more difficult than that. 
When we're presented with something that we perceive to be an outrageous opinion, we can consider what motivated that person. Try to understand their fear and then empathise with how they came to their conclusion. Because the truth is that what motivates them is fear. And fear is the one thing we're all sharing right now because I'm scared too. Like, I'm afraid for this country. I see such hostility and aggression, and I'm afraid about what it could do to this country. So, quick side note, this, uh, this Australian anchor is a Muslim man. And earlier in the clip, it was a some woman who's giving the opinion that all the borders should be closed. Mm-hmm. And um, so, anyways, that is kind of his, uh, I think his point is, we're all afraid. And the question is, how are we going to respond? Because the, the easiest response is complimentary behavior, mm-hmm. which is just fear creates fear. more fear and right. let's create more anger and let's be, make someone a common enemy. Right. And let's and, you know, and it doesn't mean that we don't investigate things and have things in place. But like I said, I don't think many of you listening are part of governmental operations in D.C. Those people have to do these things. Right. But what can we do? We have to focus on I posted something yesterday about we got to do inside you guys. Yeah. When you are feeling afraid and you are freaking out, if you do not focus on what's going on inside of you, you are going to spill that over to your children, you are going to spill that over to your spouse, and you're going to spill that over into anybody you see. You are going to see threats everywhere. You are going to think people are mean to you because you have glasses on based on what's going on inside of your body that says, I'm under attack. If you can go inside and and I'm saying this from not so much a teacher place, but as a student myself, yesterday I was so overwhelmed. I, I actually even said to Todd before we started the show, please don't play clips that I can't tolerate because I'm so full. And that doesn't mean I'm giving up or throwing in the towel. That means I'm giving you're, myself a right well-deserved Right now you're break. in a place, right? Yeah, I just, I'm full. Last Have week I was been full. okay so far yeah, on the clips? Yeah, it's all right. I okay. mean, they're, they're still heavy to me, but it's the point is being driven home, okay. which is most important. Um but last week was a lot. And, you know, what I have had to do when I'm sitting there and I, I'm, I'm feeling all this anxious energy is I have to go sit and breathe and relax. I need to go pet my rabbit. I need to go watch the birds. And you guys can think those sound like hippy dippy things. Mm-hmm. But when I do that, then I can be present for my child when she sprains her toe. Mm-hmm. If I don't do that, then all of a sudden, all this anxiety about the world and about this and about that spills over into her. Yeah, and then she feels like she's being, yeah. That she did something wrong, that somehow I'm angry at her because she hurt herself. And I'm talking about, talk about a micro level. And she tested you yesterday because she she was. Well, um, that's why I had to to meditate a lot She was moany moany. She was moany moany. And when I say meditate, I'm using that word, but I'll use any word. I part I did go up to my meditation area for a while, but I also sat outside and watched, you know, people walk by. I also um, you know, sat on the side of the house and relaxed. I also laid on the couch. Like it doesn't have to be formal meditation. I just recognize that I have enough separation now when I'm feeling like I'm going chaotic, that is not for anyone else to solve. That's my job is you got to take it down and relax. You've got to help your brain relax so you can take on the next thing. Because the truth is, you guys, right now in this moment, you are okay. Mm-hmm. You are not under threat. You think you're under threat because everybody's telling you you are. But right now, look around. You are okay. Just do now. Just now. So you're channeling Eckhart right now. I am. Um, your Facebook post is Inside First. That's a good tagline. Good. Inside First. Inside First. Always. Um, this is the last clip I want to play from this guy. Um, is it heavy? No, it's, okay. it's the optimistic part, good. I think. Good. I can't wait. Here we go. The incarceration of hundreds of thousands of innocent people to be acting destructively. You might just be angrily tweeting at someone who said something outrageous, but what I'm suggesting is while it feels good to choose destruction, Right now, I think we need to try construction. I'm not saying you should be silenced in the face of bigotry, but when you do engage with someone you disagree with, I'm talking about assuming the best in people, showing others radical generosity in the face of their hostility, even when it hurts. And this is the much harder choice because it demands much more restraint and patience and so much more strength. I've lost count of the number of times I've seen outrage go viral. Wouldn't it be amazing if just once 
we could send forgiveness viral. These are dark times, but the best thing to do is reach for a flashlight and not start a fire. There he goes. And you know what? Radical this generosity. Radical generosity. And this is the thing. Think in yourself, have you ever been so angry and then somehow that anger's been dissipated through some act of kindness or, or something? I, I, you know. Why don't you believe that other people could have that experience too? Sometimes people point at someone and they say, no, not that person. They could never not be angry. They could never not be violent. They are no different than you in the reasons why they got to their anger and their hopelessness and their negativity was based on them feeling hopeless, helpless, and unloved. Mm -hmm. So when you understand that, then you understand what an effect you can have on other people when you look at them and say, I see you. I, I've been angry too, and my pain was lessened by someone's love. Yeah. Um, we can't play it because there's too many curse words, but you just had me play that stand-up comedian yes, guy. And it was so, so funny because he talked about, you know, think about somebody that you're angry at. And we probably most of us have somebody sure. in our lives. Sure. And what he was, you know, he talked about the hippie culture and you got to. He's like, this is probably the most hippie thing I'll ever say, which is when someone, you can't bring hate to hate. You'll right. just create more hate. Right. So when someone brings you hate, bring them love. And right. he's making fun of himself because I know how that sounds. Yeah. But what he said was, it's funny, he's like, you know, the, the person may not buy into the fact that you're being loving. They may think it's manipulative or whatever, but if you keep loving them, even when they're not giving it back, he's like, if nothing else, that person will be the quote unquote a-hole. Right. And you're just going to be the bystander right. sending love. It's going to be a lot more obvious who's making the poor choice. Yes. And that's the thing is sometimes we try and fight someone. You know, I have heard friends of mine even be like, I'm so annoyed at this person. Here's what I'm going to do. Yeah. I'm going to plot, you know, this way and I'm going to say this and then I'm going to really get them in this place where they're super uncomfortable. And I'm always like, and then what? Mm -hmm. And then they're going to do it back to you. And then you're going to make them feel so bad that you're somehow vindicated. And then you're going to make them feel so small that you're somehow making the world a better place. Yeah. I know that's the easy thing to do. Well, it, it, it that gives you maybe immediate endorphins, I guess. I don't you know. You feel like you won. But, it's a and, competition. But then that will go away very quickly. Very quickly. And it's going to be replaced with crappiness. And shame. Shame. And guilt. And knowing at the core of yourself that you did nothing to, yeah. to help the well, world. You ever yell at your kid? How does In that, that moment? You're like, you, that's right. And then like a minute later or an hour later, a day later, like, Oh my God, what did I just do? Right. Don't, right. don't try not to have any regrets. And just understand, try and you, part of, there's two things I want to talk about here that are most important, self-awareness and empathy. The reason why self-awareness is so helpful is when you can relate something to yourself, when you can, when you've had the experience of I've been angry, I've been fearful, and somebody helped me with that, someone supported me, someone helped me, you know, tone that down. When you've had that experience, then you trust that other people can. If you have no self-awareness and you just see things through like a it's everybody else and not me lens, then I understand why you think that being cruel is somehow going to help. Yeah. But when you understand yourself, then you can be empathetic because you step in someone else's shoes. I actually, um, as you guys who listen know, I teach at Dominican University and I'm starting again in the fall with uh, my fall class, which is sociology, the family. And I've decided to dedicate the whole, why are you <laughs> I laughing? I just love this. Well, I've decided to dedicate the whole semester to empathy. So every class period, we are going to talk about some form of empathy with the family. Think back to your college, everybody, assuming you went to college or maybe you didn't, doesn't matter. Can you, I just... That seems normal to you, sweetheart. Yeah, dang right. Every semester is different. I know, but that, what a gift to those children. If nothing else, like I didn't, up until like five years ago, I didn't know the difference between sympathy and empathy. Yeah, that's a, that's, that's class you know? number one. And because sympathy is feeling bad for someone or feeling pity or saying, oh, I see you're hurting, but you are not feeling it. Right. Well, in my quick explanation is that, uh, um, Brene Brown video. Yes. Where it's the whole thing, you know, the whole, but whatever. Basically, sympathy, basically, for me, the way I define it is you say to somebody, that sucks to be you. Right. Or, oof. Yes. Yeah. Don't want to step there. Don't want to step into that with you. Yeah. So, anyways. Well, in the book that I'm going to use um, for my class, it's called Born for Love Why Empathy is Essential 
and endangered. And really, it starts with, um, it's written by Bruce Perry and Maya Slavitz. I think I'm saying her the name. The Slaver. Right. The Slavitz. Um, but she, the, the first chapter, the whole first introduction is about the our new scientific understanding of empathy and how we're wired for it. Yeah. So that's the other thing is part of it, people say, well, it can be learned. Well, of course it can because anything can be because our brains are, you know, have the plasticity and we can always learn. But we are wired for it where it naturally, if things are going right, synapses are clicking. One of the stories um, within the book that I'm really excited to share with my students is this empath- empathy program that was brought to schools, schools that were like having challenges with mm-hmm. um, children having empathetic responses. This woman developed a program where she, she started bringing infants into the classroom mm. and had the children start to relate to the infants, mimic back what the infants were feeling so they could start to understand those feelings and how we relate to each other. Because when Basically a, mirror them? Mirror them. Okay. And also say to like, kind of say, like watch the baby and be like, oh, she looks uncomfortable or she looks like she's sad because then that kid is experiencing in themselves those feelings. Well, and sometimes it's easier to spot it in somebody else. Exactly. It probably is. It's, it's much easier to spot something in somebody else than it is in yourself. At least it is for me. And one of the most important things about babies and puppies is that we feel so protective of them and, and or baby rabbits or, baby, you know, right. little mice, whatever we love. Um because they're babies. Innocence. There's such an innocence that we are willing to say, oh, you're sad? Mm. I'll get something for you. Yeah. And as kids get bigger and as we become adults, all of a sudden we like shut off that part. Jaded. And that is why babies and puppies look the way they do and smell the way they do. Yeah. We're, we're created this way. Yeah. You know, babies smell so good. And our job is to get back to where we once came from. Correct. And so just dedicating the whole semester to empathy is a essential for them working with families so i feel like it's right on target with sociology of the family Mm -hmm. you want to work with any member of the family have some empathy and then b i hate to say it but it's for me like i need to i'm reading all these books about empathy i reread i'm not all the way through it for the second time but roman's book remember we had roman on the show yeah um, Roman Krasnarek, he wrote the book titled Empathy, and he opened the Empathy Museum. We had him on the show about a year ago. Um, you're yawning into the microphone. Do you know that? Sorry. People can hear that. They can't hear it. It sounds like you're bored of my empathy I'm discussion. Not. I'm you... trying to think of how we, how do we um, come in t- contact with Roman? Um, through Kids in the House. We did a webinar with him or yeah, something like that. Yeah, we did these videos for Kids in the House, which is this uh, website with all these parenting experts. And we did, like you said, a webinar alongside Roman, and then we became friends with him. He doesn't even live here. He lives in the UK. He's English. He is. Um, But he um, is, and you know, when I say, like I just said, well, I hate to say this, but I'm doing it for me. Everything we do has some kind of personal connection. And Roman's story is that I think his mother passed away when he was really young, Mm. and he started to lose connection to his own emotions. And so he started to focus his whole career around empathy to learn about other people, but what he figured out in the process was he was trying to learn about himself. Yeah, and isn't that we're always what we're always trying to do? Yeah, um, self reflection, introspection, self awareness—it's exactly. all the same stuff. So that's another thing that we can offer you is if you are feeling inundated by negativity, maybe choose to not watch a horror movie. Maybe choose to not pick up the latest suspense thriller. Sorry, Charlie Donnelly, <laughs> Summit Lake. Um, you know, pick up something that inspires you, mm-hmm. you know, um, like the movie we watched last night. Did mm-hmm. that inspire you? Oh, boy. Miracles from Heaven is mm-hmm. the name of the movie. And all I got to say is it was tough to get through. Very sad. But do you want to hear my quick um, British accent? But before you do your British accent so we can like close that, it was it was good. But I will give a parent warning that it's heavy because yeah. someone told me to watch it with my kids. Thanks and a lot. My youngest daughter was like, Sia, yeah. I'm not watching this. My middle daughter, who tends to be very... She can handle it. She, well, she can handle it. And she also, emotions for her are very... She's in that realm. Yeah. Um, she was very yeah. invested. If you got small children, that's yeah, it's, it's really sad. Uh, there's a girl that's in a lot of really pain sick. most yeah. of the movie. My goodness. It ends up good, but... Yeah. takes a while. We, we kept saying, let's get to the part that's good. Yes. Okay. We waited patiently. Yes, we did. So here's my English accent. Let's hear it. Uh, it's from Days of Our Lives. Shane, oh, 
You've, you've done Shane on this show. Shane Donovan talking to Kimberly okay. because he found out that Kimberly was being a prostitute. Correct. It was like 25 years ago. And he says, you're a bloody whore, Kimberly. Yes. You've done Shane Donovan on, on this, this show? show? Yes. No, I haven't. Do you know how many times you do Shane Donovan? you bloody whore. Yes. That's all I got. Yes. But they get back together because, you know, do you it's just to, part of life. Do you want to hear my Austrian accent? Austrian? Yeah. Like uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger? I won't do it. Yeah, innocent children down there. All they need is food, for God's sakes. That's from The Running Man. So basically, you're just doing Arnold Schwarzenegger. And every Austrian. Will you do, since we just watched The Sound of Music again with our kids, will you do Captain Von Trapp? It's been a while. I don't know what he says. You know how he talks really, really fast? <laughs> I drank with my bread. Uh, we played the accent game with uh, our friends. We did. And we weren't very, I wasn't very good at it. I wasn't either, even though I won a card. What was the name of that game? Nonsense. Let's call it the accent game. Well, and it was, our friend brought it out. And basically what you do is you read, it's kind of like Cards Against Humanity because there is an element of you can be kind of non-politically correct. Some adult humor. And I got, and I was a little nervous about that. You know what I mean? Because sometimes when you're doing accents, it can be offensive and I wouldn't want to do that. Yeah. Um, but they ended up being pretty funny um, because basically you just read a card and everybody has to do it in a certain accent. And, and it's nerve wracking. There's a lot of anxiety with that game. Well, you have to act. I know. Because I always think about that when people are like, oh, I needed a class. So I just took an improv class. I'm like, is that like not ner- like I would rather take a English class yeah. than an improv class? Agreed. Because because you're vulnerable. You're totally vulnerable. But for some people, that's very fun. Our but, second partner, sweetie. Well, wait a second. You did okay at the game, just so you know. You would just get really riled up and yell it. Yeah, I had to overcome my ineptitude and accents. I won the Australian card. Do you think I deserved it? Good eye, mate. Do you think I deserved it? Um. Yes, because I probably voted for you. Yes. Well, I don't think you did. I think Tammy gave it to me. Oh, okay. whatever. Go ahead. Uh, John Kelly from ChicagoDentistOnline.com. He's our dentist. He does uh, periodontal work, teeth whitening, mouth guards for athletes, mm-hmm. all the above. So check him out, ChicagoDentistOnline.com. And our last partner is Avid Company, painting and remodeling throughout the Chicagoland area, 630-956-1800. Thank you, Jeremy, that bald-headed beauty. Because I think I forgot to mention Avid last week. That's not cool. Um, so I want to talk about uh, some events that we have coming up. Yes. You all right with that? September 26th, we're hosting a screening of a movie called Screenagers. It's a documentary. If you're interested, go to our website, zenparentingradio.com, and click on events. And then uh, I am staffing Mankind Project's New Warrior Training Adventure. So if there's any men out there that are interested in having a transformational 48 hours please shoot me an email. And then uh, Frank and I are doing the Tribe Men's Adventure Retreat uh, January 20th through the 22nd. The Mankind one is October 20th through the 30th. And then last but not least is the big one, sweetie. Okay. Zen Gets Real. What's that? Zen Gets Real. We are working our tails off on the Zen Gets Real conference. Um, We are making the big announcement about it on August 23rd. We are getting partners together and getting things rolling, Um, and we are going to open registration on August 23rd, the day we make the announcement. In about a month. In about a month, and there will be an early bird special from August 23rd to September 1st. We'll tell you more about that when the time comes, but I highly recommend you jump on that early bird special because it's significantly less. Mm -hmm. And we're trying to give all the people who kind of know us and want to jump in and get solidified an opportunity to do that at a good price so that's coming up and i'm looking forward to it all right um go ahead well what are you where are you going i was gonna do famzu okay go ahead um sweetie trivia question oh Finan- personal financial trivia question suppose you put some money in a savings account earning one percent per year okay but inflation is two percent per year after one year how much will you be able to buy with the money in your account more than today, exactly the same, or less than today? I have no idea. How can you not know that? More. No, sweetie. Your savings account is gaining a 1% interest, but inflation is 2% interest. Uh-huh. So basically, you're putting money in a savings account. Are you going to be able to buy more with that money? Oh, less. Less than that money. So I'm going to give you a metaphor that's easier to understand. I was told there'd be no math. <laughs> so basically... <laughs> This is the metaphor for okay. us to teach ourselves and our okay. kids. Imagine pouring water into a leaky bucket. 
pour less in the top than in, and than is draining out the bottom, what happens? The water level sinks. So basically, the water you're putting into the bucket is the interest that you're earning on your savings account. Correct. But the hole at the bottom of your bucket is even, is a greater hole. There's more coming out than going in. There's a hole in the bucket. <laughs> Eventually, your bucket's <laughs> going to be empty, sweetie. Do you want your bucket to be empty? No. No, you want to be smart with your money. And if you want to be smart with your money and teach your kids about money, go to our website. We have um, FAMZU on the right-hand side, and it's a really awesome way to teach your kids about personal financial management. So do that. That's all I have to say. I agree. That's all I have to say about that. Um, so, Forrest, this is, I wanted to end with this. Are you ready? I was, okay, go ahead. No, go ahead. Do you have more? I was going to play a little clip from Maddie J trying to increase the vibrational frequency. Why don't we do this? Let me say this okay. and then play Maddie because he deserves to be last because he's, he's one of our my favorite guy. human beings ever yes. walk on this earth. Yes. So, this is my, these are my last two thoughts for today because, again, I'm working on this the best I can. When you see and hear things, you guys, and it's heavy and overwhelming, stay awake and don't go to sleep and become part of the problem. Uh, stay alert to what people are saying. Stay aware. Trust yourself. You know where you come from. You know you're good. And when people start saying things that are about harming other people or um, you know, not trusting people or a heaviness that that sits on your chest. I can actually feel it, as I've said to Todd before, in my sternum. I literally feel like someone's sitting on my chest. And then what I know is that it's the stay awake part is it's time for me to go inside and get back to what I know. It's time for me to breathe. It's time for me to let go of the fear. And it's time for me to make a difference by being the best and most grounded person I can. Um, I Some suggestions for you guys, if you guys have a rock that you love or you're by a beach or you're by a anywhere, a forest, find a rock and put it in your pocket and hold it um, when you get afraid to ground you and remind you. Um, I also, as you guys know, sometimes carry a baby turtle mm. in my pocket um, when I'm struggling and I it's not a real baby turtle. It's a little you know porcelain one and it reminds me to be patient with the world and be patient with myself. Um, do things to remind yourself of who you are. Put a little, you know, wear a, a locket that says love. Uh, put on a bracelet that says faith. Whatever it is, these are, these are tools. Tools in your toolbox. And, you know, remember that the, you know, the longest journey, as we've all heard, is from our head to our heart. And our head can get really afraid and get really lost. But your heart always knows what's true and real. And your heart always knows that you're safe in yourself. And so you got to make that journey <laughs> every day, possibly a few times a day. Um, and just keep peace inside of you to create more peace outside of you. And um, I posted a John Lennon quote yesterday that I'll share again here. Peace is not something you wish for. It's something you make, something you do, something you are, and something you give away. You control peace for you. Very good, sweetie. So, Maddie. Who is Maddie? Well, Maddie J. Stepanek is uh, someone that Todd and I became very... Um, we fell in love with him when he was on Oprah so many years ago, so much so that we had his uh, some of his quotes in our wedding. Um, he was a little boy who had a pretty serious, um, I think it was like an, uh, it was almost, it, w it wasn't mus muscular dystrophy, but it was something similar where his yeah. body was degenerating at a really quick pace. And he actually ended up passing away when he was 13. Mm -hmm. um, but before that, even when he was wheelchair bound and really sick, he wrote beautiful poetry and was an angel to all of us and reminded us why we're here and reminded us to be, um, to notice the love and notice the beauty in the world. So, so Maddie J is going to close out our show. Thank you, Maddie. For our world, we need to stop. Just stop. Stop for a moment before anybody says or does anything that may hurt anyone else. We need to be silent. Just silent. Silent for a moment before we forever lose the blessing of songs that grow in our hearts. We need to notice just notice. Notice for a moment before the future slips away into ashes and dust of humility. Stop, be silent, and notice. In so many ways, 
we are the same. Our differences are unique treasures. We have, we are, a mosaic of gifts to nurture, to offer, to accept. We need to be, just be. Be for a moment, kind and gentle, innocent and trusting, like children and lambs, never judging or vengeful, like the judging and vengeful. And now let us pray, differently yet together, before there is no earth, no life, no chance for peace. Maddie J. T. Stepanek. Thanks for listening, folks. Hope you felt outstanding. So there's some different ways you can support us. Um, one of them is by asking either Kathy or myself or maybe both of us to speak at your next event. Or you can also tell a friend about our podcast. If you ship Amazon, go through the link on zenparentingradio.com first. It doesn't cost you anything, but Zen Parenting will get a small commission. You can also buy any of Kathy's three amazing books through Amazon or our homepage. And if you're like me and you want to teach your children personal financial management, then use FAMZOO. It's an amazing resource. It's a virtual family bank that will set your children on a path towards financial freedom. Click on the link on the lower right-hand side of our homepage to learn more. And if you're a Chicago guy and want to learn more about The Tribe, the men's group that I lead, go to thetribemensgroup.com. Do you want to grow your business by partnering with us? Shoot me an email. And you can also give us an iTunes review. Lastly, you can subscribe to our podcast through our homepage or iTunes directly. This will guarantee you're up to speed on the latest and greatest of Zen Parenting Radio. You can always send me an email at comments at zenparentingradio.com and I'll be happy to get back to you as soon as I can. Finally, we're thankful for all your support and encouragement and always remember that the best predictor of a child's well-being is a parent's self-understanding. Keep trucking. Thank you.